of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christos Anesti. Christ is risen. We continue our celebration of these holy and joyful 50 days. And today we are blessed to hear the homily from one of the blessed servants from the East Coast, from New Jersey. Uh, his name is Michael, and he is here this weekend because uh, he recently, yesterday, uh, graduated from ACT Seminary. Uh, and he received his uh, master's uh, in theology. And we're very blessed to welcome him uh, and his beautiful family today uh, and to hear the homily from his lips. Uh, so now let us open our hearts and hear the words of the Holy Spirit uh, from Michael. So today is the third Sunday of the Holy 50 Days. And this year, um, the third Sunday, which is always the Gospel of the Samaritan Woman, is a bit more special because... During the Holy Great Fast, when we read the Gospel of the Samaritan Woman, this year it was the Feast of the Cross, so we weren't able to read it. But we're able to read it now, so it's extra special this year for us during the Holy 50 Days. And when we analyze all the readings of the Holy 50 Days, we see a very clear theme. That our Mother of the Holy Church is trying to give us these means in order for us to be able to live the resurrection in our own lives. In order for us to be able to live the resurrection in our own lives. So each Sunday is like a door that we're able to go through to be able to live and experience the resurrection. That's why in the Litany of the Gospel we say, you are the resurrection of us all. And so the first Sunday, we spoke about Thomas's doubt, and our Lord appeared to them to strengthen their faith to the disciples. And we heard a verse at the end of that Gospel that says, these are written for you, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in his name, and that believing, you may have life in his name. So faith is clearly one of the venues, one of the means that we may have life in his name and live the resurrected life. Then the second Sunday, last week, we heard the gospel of the bread of life. And our Lord said again, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So this is again showing us another means that we're able to attain the resurrected life. And so this Sunday, we heard the very famous, very well-known, very beautiful dialogue between our Lord and the Samaritan woman. And the key verse in this gospel is from John 4, 4, verse 14. Verse 14, and it says, The water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. Will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. Meaning that again our Lord is telling us that there is another means to live the resurrection. And this week, this means is the living water. It is the living water because the living water grants us this everlasting life. So then the question would be, what is the living water? Or who is the living water? And thankfully, in the Gospel according to St. John, this is answered for us in chapter 7. Our Lord says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Again, speaking about water. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said out of his heart, will flow, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. So the key is answered in this verse. What is the living water, or who is the living water? The living water is the Holy Spirit. The living water is the Holy Spirit. So our mother of the church this morning is telling us that in order for us to be able to live the resurrected life, we have to have communion with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. And St. Paul makes this very clear. How the Holy Spirit is able to give us this resurrected life. Romans 8.11, St. Paul says, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit 
So the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who raised our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead, is able also to do that for us. So it is very clear that one of the means, besides faith, besides the Eucharist, is the Holy Spirit that is able to give us the resurrection. Because the whole point of the Holy 50 Days is for us to be able to live the resurrection of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ. So when Christ says today that I will give the living water, St. Cyril of Alexandria explains that the Son feeds and waters our soul with the life-giving Spirit. The Son feeds and waters our soul with the life-giving grace of the Spirit. And so, what's very beautiful about the selection of these readings throughout the Holy 50 Days is that the Church has taken every one of these readings from a type that happened in the Old Testament, from something that happened in the Old Testament. So, the journey of our lives on earth is a struggle, and our whole goal is to make it to the kingdom of heaven. And so an analogy of this is how the Israelites, or what the Israelites went to during the 40 years in the wilderness of Sinai, is what they went through during the 40 years of the wilderness of Sinai. The struggle was the 40 years to get to the promised land. So the promised land in the Old Testament was a type of the kingdom of heaven now. And so what's very interesting is that when Moses took the Israelites out, they're on the shore of the Red Sea, and they turn back and the Egyptians are coming. And they get scared. And so they're afraid that the Egyptians are going to kill them. And they begin to regret that they even left Egypt to begin with. And so they turn to Moses with this fear. And in Exodus 14, it says, The children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And this should bring, that very afraid should bring us back to our memory of the first week of the Holy Fifty Days. And Moses said, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the same way the disciples were afraid, with the doors closed on Thomas Sunday, the Israelites were afraid as they were about to leave Egypt, as they were about to cross the Red Sea. And so the same faith that saved the Egyptians to believe in Moses and follow him is the same faith that we all receive salvation. Then as the Israelites are in the wilderness, as they cross the Red Sea in a miraculous journey, they begin to get hungry. And they tell Moses that they missed the food of Egypt. Even though they were in slavery, they missed the food of Egypt because... They're hungry, and they're going to die of their hunger. And so Moses, or so God's response to this complaint, he says, I will rain bread from heaven for you, which is obviously what we know as the menna. So God is saying, I will rain bread from heaven for you. So this bread, this menna, is supporting them to be able to live, literally, to cross their 40 years, to cross their journey, to make it to the promised land. And so the same way this bread saved them, Christ last week said, I'm not like the menna that your fathers ate and died. I am the living bread, or I am the bread of life. So the church has taken that analogy again and said the same way that the Israelites needed faith to cross the Red Sea and leave Egypt, the same way they needed bread to live, the church has placed the first week of faith with Thomas Sunday and the second week of the bread of life. So this week, we find in Exodus 17 that the people of Israel, now they're very upset with Moses. And they want to stone Moses. And the reason for that is because they are thirsty. And they're saying that they are dying of thirst. And so again they complain. And this time, God tells Moses to take his rod and to strike a rock. And when he strikes the rock, what comes out famously? Water. And so the same way the water sustained them, just like the bread and just like their faith, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ through the mother of the church is telling us today that we also need this living water to be able to live, not to reach our earthly promised land, but to reach heaven but to reach heaven. And St. Paul confirms this analogy when he says, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock and followed 
and that rock was Christ. So the problem that we face nowadays is that we're like the Israelites. We're never satisfied. We always complain, we see God's blessings, and we always forget, and we're quick to always dwell on what we don't have. And a major problem we have is that we try to fill what we don't have with temporary or passing pleasures that we think are going to sustain us or bring us fulfillment, which obviously is never the case. So we share in that same struggle that the Israelites shared, or that the Israelites went through. So the Samaritan woman today gives us, through her gospel, through the story, gives us three clear points that we're going to discuss as to how to leave behind these earthly pleasures that have no fulfillment and to truly, truly be filled and to truly be satisfied and to truly live that life of contentment. Because unfortunately today, in society, we have a lot of depression and anxiety and social issues. And all that is because we've lost our fullness and we're looking for other things. We've lost our fullness and we're looking for other things. And if we notice the Matin's Gospel this morning, it says that, O oh Lord, I implore you, deliver me, deliver my soul, I was brought low. So the state of despair, the Matin's Gospel expresses this morning. And what's very beautiful about this whole situation with us leaving our true joy and clinging onto earthly things is this is exactly what the devil did with our father, Adam and Eve, with our four parents, Adam and Eve. They had everything they needed, placed in paradise, true joy, and that true joy came from their union with Christ, their union with God. But the devil came and deceived them to think that the one thing that God told them not to eat is actually what would truly fulfill them, would make them like God. He said this was their only missing thing. And so they listened to him, they were deceived, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and from that moment on, all negative came to the world. Sin, death, disease, anxiety, depression, illness, everything came in through that one mistake, because they tried to replace God. They tried to find their joy and fulfillment away from God. And so they listened to the devil. And at the moment that they fell, and they realized that they had committed a mistake, they did one very interesting thing. They hid. They hid themselves away from God. And what's very interesting today when we analyze the gospel is that the Samaritan woman comes, very famously, at what hour of the day? The gospel says that she comes at the sixth hour, which is noon, which is when it is very hot, which is when most, if not all people, do not go to the well because it is too hot. And so she is choosing specifically at a time to go to the well where no people are there because she doesn't want to interact with anyone, because she doesn't want to see anyone, because she knows that her sin has brought her a certain reputation in Samaria. And she doesn't want to deal with that. She's very insecure. And so the same way that our father Adam and Eve hid from God after they sinned, the Samaritan woman this morning is hiding from all of her city including God, because she doesn't want anyone to see or deal with her because of her sin, because of her sin. And so this sin that we see brings forth darkness. It places in a, in, a, in a mode that we have to hide to not be seen. And if anyone read the gospel from last night, the Vespers gospel, it speaks a tremendous amount about Christ being the light and the Pharisees walking in the darkness. Christ being the light that if you follow him, you will live, but if you stay in the darkness, you will die in your sin. And so we see here that the sin brings on darkness, it brings on shame, it brings on insecurity. But Christ is here today to deliver us from this. 
there's a verse in, Jer in Jeremiah 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 13. It says, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is a famous verse. What's interesting, though, it compare, God is comparing between a well, he's calling himself the well of living water, and between a cistern. A cistern is basically something that certain people in Israel would build in their backyard that contains not as much water, but a certain amount of sufficient water that they can live with, so that they don't have to travel a long way to the well. So it's a temporary solution, basically, that they have in their, in their homes. So if you compare the two, the cistern is easy. The cistern isn't long-lasting. As God says, it can break. And the cistern is something that is man-made. It's something that they created for themselves. While the well is a bit far, it requires effort, it is permanent because it comes from the, from the river. So unless the river dries up, then it lasts forever. And it is something, because it's a river, that God has made. So what's very beautiful about this verse is that God is telling us, you have forsaken what is God, what is God made. You have forsaken what is permanent, even though it requires struggle, for something that is easy and for something that is temporary. For something that is easy and for something that is temporary. You've left the well for the cistern. You've left the well which is permanent, which is long-lasting, for the cistern which is temporary and can break. And man-made. And that's exactly what we do always. We replace God with any worldly pleasure. We replace God which we know is the source of our joy. We know he's joyous, even though it's a little struggle. Because we think that the church sometimes is boring, or that the commandments are restrictive, or that it's okay, we can just let it go. But when we do this, this is a deception. And we lose our true joy. We lose our true joy. And that's why Christ says to her, whoever drinks of this water, the water of the world, will thirst again. It's not satisfying. It is not satisfying, and it will lead you into a domino effect of continuous sin, darkness, and shame. And when we think about the worst character that has displayed this, we have to come to mind Judas Iscariot. Judas had everything. One of the twelve, intimate with Christ, with, was, was with him for his whole ministry, three and, a, three and a half years. Judas himself performed miracles. Judas himself saw everything. And he was there with the dialogue of the Samaritan woman. He saw everything. But at the end, Judas decides what? I want to replace my joy, my true life of joy with Christ, for 30 pieces of silver. A temporary joy, an earthly pleasure. And he asks one of the worst questions in the gospel. He goes to the Pharisees and says, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? Judas, of his own accord, says, What are you willing to give me if I deliver Christ to you? And this is the same thing that we ask the devil every single day. What pleasure are you willing to give me? What lust are you willing to give me? What accommodation, what ease, what luxury are you willing to give me if I betray, if I momentarily leave, if I give up or deliver Christ to you? If I leave him for this pleasure, what are you willing to give me? And so we see here that the Samaritan woman today showed us the exact opposite of this. She left her water pot. She left her life of sin. She put to death the members which are on the earth, as St. Paul says in the Pauline letter today, which are fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness. She left all that knowing that this is a temporary, non-solution to her emptiness. She was empty, and she was seeking other things to fill that emptiness. And so she realized that these things that she was seeking, these men, 
were not the solution. And so she left. And her leaving the water pot was a symbol of that. And so we see here the first point today that we have to understand about how to live this true life of joy is that we have to leave what we think are our satisfaction, what we think are our temporary pleasures that are not really pleasures. We have to leave those things behind. As St. Paul says, we have to put them to death. No more. Just as a, Saint, just as a Samaritan woman left her water pot. And St. Paul says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So the first point of how the Holy Spirit, the living water, grants us the resurrected life is we have to put to death the deeds of the body. St. Paul says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And what's amazing in our tradition about the Samaritan woman is that she was hiding, just as our father and mother Adam and Eve were hiding because of their sin. When the Samaritan woman believed and became converted and became a Christian and a follower of Christ, according to our tradition, her name is Saint Fotini. Saint Fotini. Fotini means the enlightened one. The enlightened one. So she went from a life of hiding in darkness to being enlightened. How? Because she left behind the earthly deeds. That's the first point. The second point, in order for us to be able to live this resurrected life and enjoy the living water, is that we have to make Christ our goal. We have to make Christ our fulfillment. He has to be our source of joy. So the first point is we have to leave and put behind our water pot or the earthly desires that we try to substitute Christ with. And the second point is we have to put Christ as that source of joy, as that true fulfillment. Christ says to her today a very, very beautiful verse. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked. If you only knew who I was, if you only knew what I can offer you, if you only knew what gift that I could give you, you would have asked. You would have taken it. And the world today is deceiving us to not know these things, to darken our eyes from these things. But Christ is saying, you have to know who I am. And that is the goal of all these readings and of all that the mother of the church tries to feed us, to know Christ, to know Christ. In John 15, 26, it says, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He will testify of me. And as we see with the Samaritan woman today, she begins to understand who Christ is little by little. She starts off by saying that you're just a Jew and that there should be no relationship between you and I. Then she goes on and says, okay, you must be a prophet then. You must be a prophet. So she begins to recognize and not only recognize who he is, but compare him to Jacob, to our father Jacob. And at the end of their dialogue, she realizes that you are the Christ. So she goes from him just being a Jew, a bas basically a racial relationship between them, to her recognize that he is the living God. And this dialogue, this exclamation of, or this proclamation of who he is, this is one of the beautiful moments in the gospel that really shows someone saying, you are Christ, and him saying, I am. I am. And so we hear today that in order for us to be able to be joyous and filled, we have to recognize who it is that asks you to give me a drink, or who it is that can give you the gift of God. We have to understand who Christ is in our life. We have to appreciate his role in our life. Because once we appreciate who he is, then we will cling to him. We will realize that we have nothing else besides him. He is the hope of the hopeless and the help of those who have no help. And what's beautiful today in the psalm of the liturgy, it outlines all of these things that God does for us. God will bless us. Bless the house of Israel. Bless the house of Aaron. 
Bless those who fear him. Bless those who are small and great. Bless those who are small and great. And St. John Chrysostom says he calls the spirit water to declare the cleansing wrought by him, the great refreshment to those who receive him, and he prevents the soul from feeling despondency, plots of Satan, and quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So St. John is basically laying out the blessings of the Holy Spirit, the cleansing blessing, the refreshing blessing, and the blessing that prevents us from feeling despondent or depressed. So the second point we have to understand is that in order for us to be able to feel our true joy, we have to cling to Christ. We have to cling to Christ. St. Augustine says, I sat on top of the world the moment I desired nothing from it. And what's very beautiful about St. Augustine is that before his conversion, he had a relationship, an inappropriate relationship with a woman. And he struggled in that relationship. And that relationship ended up bearing a child out of wedlock. A child out of wedlock. So he struggled with the same sin that the Samaritan woman struggled with. When St. Augustine converted, became a follower of Christ, the woman one day saw him. And she started crying out to him, Augustine, Augustine. And he kept going. And she started following him, Augustine, Augustine. And he kept going. And finally she caught up to him, grabbed him and said, Augustine, don't you recognize who I am? It's me. And he turned and said to her, I know it's you, but it is no longer me. Augustine is dead. St. Augustine says that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. What happened to St. Augustine is exactly what happened to the Samaritan woman. He left behind his pleasure, his earthly, temporary, deceiving pleasure, and he found Christ. That was his true joy. And that's all he needed to overcome everything else. That's why he's able to say, I sat on top of the world the moment I desired nothing from it. Nothing held me down. And when we think of the image of sitting on top of the world, that is what? That is living the resurrected life. Above, elevated, our desires, our weaknesses, our enslavements, our traps, to live with Christ. To live with Christ. And one of the Desert Fathers, Isaac of Syria, says, Thirst for Christ, that he may intoxicate you with his love. Abstain from the attractions which glitter before the eyes, that you may be worthy of the joy in the spirit. This quote summarizes everything. Thirst for Christ, that he may intoxicate you, that he may fill you with his love. Abstain from the worldly pleasures, that you may be able to find the joy of the spirit, which is the living water. So our third and final point, we discussed the first point to live the resurrected life through the living water, is to put behind our earthly deeds, as St. Paul says today. The second point is to, after we put behind our earthly deeds, cling to Christ. The third point today that the Samaritan woman shows us is how the gospel ends. Is how the gospel ends. It begins with her full of sin. In the middle, she realizes who Christ is. And at the end, what does she do? She goes, leaves her hiding, goes into the city and says, I have found the Christ who told me all things. So the final point today on how to live this resurrected life is through serving one another. Is through serving one another. And when we serve one another, the Catholic epistle said a very, very beautiful thing today. It said, we know that we have passed from death to life if we love the brethren. We know that we have passed from death to life if we love the brethren. And what is love? When we serve one another, when we sacrifice for one another. So one of the means of living this resurrected life is through service, is through sacrificing for one another. And the Pauline letter, after it said to, to put down, to put to death the members of the body, it started speaking about the new man, the new life. And it said, put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, 
meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. But above all these things, put on love. This is the new man, and this is the resurrected person. The person who is above the self-centeredness. The person who is above the petty arguments. The person who is above the petty disputes and the ego. This is a person who is, over, is filled with Christ and begins to overflow with others through service. And what's beautiful, St. Paul begins this passage by saying, who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. According to the image of him who created him. Basically saying, just as our parents, Adam and Eve, were formed without corruption, in union with Christ, and that's how they had their joy, we have to go back to that state, renew our knowledge, go back to how God intended for us to be in the beginning, with only him as our source of joy. With only him as our source of joy. And what's beautiful at the end of the gospel, today it says, we believe, the Samaritans are speaking now, we believe not because of what you said for ourselves, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So we have to recognize, number one, that our earthly pleasures are nothing. They are only bringing depression because they, don't, they can't fill us. Our true joy is in Christ, the Savior of the world. And if, we, if you notice the Acts reading today, it speaks about the disciples preaching, Christ being the source of our forgiveness, Christ being our true joy. And then for us to be able to live the resurrected life, the third point is we have to serve others. For when we love... We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brother. So to conclude, our mother, the Holy Church, during these Holy 50 days is giving us the tools and the means to live the resurrected life. The first mean that we heard was faith on Thomas Sunday. The second mean was the bread of life to be able to nourish us, which is communion, which is the Eucharist. And the third point today is the living water, which is the gift in the communion of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is able to stop us convict us of our sins, we can leave these earthly pleasures. He's able to convict us of righteousness so we can be able to find Christ, live with Christ. And he's able to bear fruit in us, like love, joy, peace, patience, so we can be able to serve others and live that resurrected life. At the end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 7, it says, they shall neither hunger nor thirst anymore. He's speaking about how we're going to be in heaven. The Lamb who is in the midst of the, of the throne will shepherd them, and lead them to the fountain of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is our state in heaven. That we will be in eternal living water. Where God will wipe away all our tears. No more sadness, no more grief, no more anxiety. And St. Athanasius describes the way to get there is to drink of that living water now. So that we may be able to rejoice with the saints who are in heaven. So for us today, we have to understand that we have to, in order to live this joyous life, this truly happy life, we have to have Christ as our goal. He has to be our main source of joy and leave behind the earthly pleasures which are nothing and cling to Christ. So let us dedicate this liturgy today to grow in the communion of the Holy Spirit, that we may be able to leave the world behind and cling to Christ and ask of him the same thing that the Samaritan woman asked today. Give me this water that I may not thirst. And glory be to God forever. Amen.